As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast with Charlie Romeliotis and James Dubow. I am Pat Boyle. We are officially two weeks away from the NHL trade deadline. The Blackhawks continue their road trip in Ottawa on this night. Guys, I'm going to start with this. Are the trade deadline rumors, are they, are they starting to get to Patrick Kane and maybe the Hawks on this trip? I think so. For for two reasons. One, they're on a four-game Canadian road trip, which means all four of those markets are trying to pepper Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks about what's going to happen, most notably Montreal and Toronto, which are the two hockey beds in Canada. Now, I will say the Blackhawks were pretty fortunate that the Toronto game was the second of a back-to-back, so they didn't have any morning skate availability or there wasn't a practice that they're kind of just lingering in Toronto um, you know, apparently some of the beat writers there in, in Toronto were, were saying a lot of those Toronto reporters were hovering around the Blackhawks locker room after the game, trying to speak with Patrick Kane and and Kane wasn't made available. Now, I will say this, by the way, Patrick Kane is available pretty much every single day in Chicago. So I don't think he was dodging the media. I just think he he very rarely speaks after the game unless he really has a big night. So I think that was more more the you know, why maybe Kane didn't speak. Um, but also the fact that this four game road trip, it's, it's easier to kind of, uh, be caught up in the rumors and kind of let things affect you when you're away from home and you're out of your routine, you know, like when on the road, you go to your hotel, you eat, you're with the guys, but then there's just a lot of downtime, right? Whereas if you're at home, you're with, you're with your family, people got kids like, you you know, you can kind of, there's some distractions you can get away from. When you're on the road, I'm, I'm sure it's hard not to let it affect you. So I definitely think that's playing a role as to why uh, the Blackhawks have had a really tough road trip in, in Canada. Yeah, and I think that it's especially been hard for Kane because I think that after the Rangers trade kind of kicked everything into high gear with everybody constantly asking him about the trade rumors. And we all knew this was coming. Of course, we knew that he was asked a lot about what his decision ultimately was, whether or not he was going to leave the Blackhawks this season. And I think that that Rangers trade just kind of opened up Pandora's box and really it emboldened everybody to really start pressing the issue because it was very clear that that was a place that he wanted to go. I think he made that abundantly apparent when you guys were talking to him right after that trade was made. And I think that it's definitely had some sort of an effect on him for sure. I think that there has been kind of a notice, like a almost like a sagging of the shoulders in a little bit of a way when he's been playing after that Rangers trade. I think that there are options out there for him to consider if he still wants to get moved by the Blackhawks. But I feel like that, that fit was so perfect. And I think that there was enough kind of smoke with that fire of whether or not he really wanted to go uh, to the Big Apple and be reunited with Artemi Panarin. I think that it's totally understandable that that would end up uh, becoming an issue and he would kind of uh, falter a little bit after that. I'm not saying he's like playing super poorly, but I I think it's getting to him a little bit. And I think that thankfully they're ending this uh, trip in Ottawa and there's another uh, storyline that might dominate the headlines for a day with uh, 
certain former Blackhawk, I guess. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise that they're ending this uh, trip in Ottawa. Then the focus can be kind of shifted to that for a night. Anton Forsberg got hurt, James. He's not going to be playing. Oh, man. I was really I was really optimistic and I'm really bummed we missed Chris Neal uh, retirement night, too. Like we're just missing all the. (laughs) No, you didn't. It's tonight. Oh, it is. I thought it was. I thought it was early. No, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's tonight and puck drop is going to be delayed some 25 minutes. So uh, 6.25, maybe even later, maybe even (laughs) later, I'm told. So that's going to have to dig into his uh, game of his bag of pregame facts a little bit deeper tonight than usual. You you should see the (laughs) shovel I have ready to deliver. Uh, As I basically I'm doing an hour pregame show, I guess is what I'm trying to tell you guys. By the way, there's um, also there's also I think a jersey retirement ceremony in San Jose next Saturday. So you got another ceremony to prepare uh, for. Uh, who's whose jersey are they retiring out there? Brian Campbell's. I I is it Patrick Marlowe? I I, yeah, I think, I think I it might him. be Marlowe. Yeah, yeah. I was just being anyway. silly. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so back to Kane here. We'll get to Debrinket in a second. Um, yeah. A lot has been made on this road trip about the hip and his his health. Charlie, it seems like there's two camps. Like there, there's one that's trying to blame everything, uh, his lack of production on that nagging injury that has really been with them for three years now. And then there's the other camp that says, look who he's playing with. He's playing with, you know, look who he's playing with. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, you know, it probably the answer is probably somewhere in in between. I think it leans closer to who he's playing with. I think he's frustrated. I I think when you go to 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 Toronto and you see Austin Matthews return to the lineup and even though you played the night before in Montreal, you know this is a big stage and this is one of the teams rumored, although I don't see it as a fit for Patrick, but one of the teams that has been rumored to be interested in you and nine seconds in you're trailing one, nothing. It, it, it's like the, like the sunken shoulders that James is talking about. I mean, I have them and I'm not making 10 and a half million playing for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, you just watch some of the Blackhawks games too. And they don't really have a ton of sustained offensive zone time uh, at five on five. So it's just different when Kane had to brink it, they were able to kind of just play around with each other in the offensive zone. But it seems like for the majority of the year and a lot of these games, the Blackhawks have been in their own end. And anytime they do get in the offensive zone, they can't really get anything going. I remember Kane said this a while ago. It was a few months ago. I, I can't remember where I saw it or else I would credit it. But Kane was talking about how it's so hard to drive a line by yourself in today's NHL. Really, there are only very few guys that can do it, and it's the McKinnons, the McDavid's. Kane was there once, right? But the game has changed so much where you you need those line mates to kind of play off of, and nobody played off their line mates better than Kane. Whether it was with Panarin, whether it was with Debrinket, even trying to gain that chemistry with Nick Schmaltz for the short time that he was here, he he just likes having that guy that he can feed off of. And he, he doesn't have that this year. And if you watch closely, especially if you're at the games, it's hard to pick it up on television because the camera pans away. Just look at how frustrated Kane is going to the bench after every shift. And there's not really much happening for him. Like he's very frustrated when, you know, you can see it. He's, he spins his stick and he just kind of looks in the air. Like he's so frustrated. And that's what Pat, I, I really agree. Obviously a lot is being made of the hip injury. And, and I think there is, 
you know, whatever, there is some merit to that. But I think the primary reason for his production is not because of the injury. I think it's he's been dealing with it for a while. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting, though, because I think the fact that teams teams think it's a thing, it makes it a thing. You know, yeah. so it, it might not be a thing in Patrick's eyes, but if teams think it is, it's up to Patrick to kind of prove that it's not a thing in his eyes. So I think that's where it's a tough balance and teams have to kind of send scouts to the building and see and watch Patrick Kane very closely if they want to feel like he, he something is laboring. Because I was watching those games, Toronto, Montreal, like, yeah, there, there wasn't a ton there, but he he was back checking. He was I mean, he was I don't want to say flying, but he was skating hard like there wasn't anything noticeably laboring like it's just and so that's why i feel like it, all of this is kind of overblown in a, in, a, in a way well i i would also i wanted to point out something that you mentioned charlie when you said that only certain guys are kind of capable of single-handedly driving a line and you mentioned Connor mcdavid and nathan mckinnon those guys are playing with pretty good flipping players too like let's not forget yeah. that Connor mcdavid gets to play with leon dreisaitl and nathan mckinnon will get to play with guys like ransonen and uh kale mccarr and all those dudes too i mean yeah they are capable of doing it the thing is they're not being forced to and i think that um patrick kane has shown an ability kind of no matter who his center is in the past to really kind of thrive i mean we all remember him dragging around the uh, the remnants of Michael Hanzus in the playoffs a couple of times. But when he was realistically at his best, when he was like in that Art Ross conversation, that Hart Trophy conversation, he had the Panarins, he had the Debrinkets, he had the Schmaltzes, as you alluded to. Heck, he even had the guys like Brad Richards and Antoine Vermette, like guys who could definitely complement his style and take a little bit of the pressure off of him. Like, yeah. At a certain point in his career, Kane could definitely drive that possession. But I think that we've all seen in recent years, his line mates make all the difference in the world. And I think that he showed some good flash with Max Domi at times this season. But let's be honest, Max Domi is a really solid player. He's not an Alex DeBrincat level player. I think that putting him with Jason Dickinson constantly is doing Kane no favors. And I, I think the way you kind of summed it up is really accurate, Charlie, where when he's actually on the ice and competing, you're not really seeing a big drop off and like the things that he does on an every night basis, whether it's the back checking, the good pat, he's constantly putting good passes into open areas all of that's still happening. It's that lack of finish, though. And as soon as he gets to the bench, like the exasperation just, you know, clicks into high gear. And that's really the, the time that it's most noticeable. I think you're absolutely right on that front. Tonight, we're going to see Philip Kurashev, Domi and Kane start as the top line for the Blackhawks. And to your point, Charlie, that it's hard for one person to drive uh, a line. You know, looking back at, at Austin Matthews return to the lineup, the other night after missing, I don't know, six games with the sprained knee. Did you get a chance to see uh, Paul Bissonnette's breakdown of that goal and everything that went into it before Austin finally snapped it from the slot area? It's truly, it, it, it's not just the line that's working together, Nylander and, and, and company. It's it's the defensemen who, who pinch and then, Austin Matthews goes back to cover for for the defenseman and and, and be responsible there and, and reading the play, being the F three when he needs to be the F three. Um, it was a, a real reminder of how great you know we we see these players like Austin Matthews and and Connor McDavid and they put up all these unbelievable numbers, 
but the orchestration that goes into the finished product being the the great sniper or, or the or the semi breakaway or what have you there's a lot that goes into it and and I, again Patrick doesn't have doesn't have the supporting cast on his line doesn't necessarily have it behind him either as as the defenseman helping out um as well so our first time to see Alex DeBrinket it's weird that it's it's this late in the season he spoke to the media, and we'll have that for you on the pregame show on uh, on NBC Sports Chicago tonight. All in all, I, I would say I think Alex is having a pretty good year, but he's had to change his style of play to a little more uh, physical, and um, it's take taken some adjustment. I found it humorous that it was even being considered that they might trade him at the trade deadline, considering what they gave up for him. Um, but they, you know, they've since said that, you know, he's not, not going to be moved. Were, were you surprised to hear that Charlie, that, that even, you know, that they'd be willing after giving up an, a first round pick to move him at this deadline? Well, I, I think the only reason why they would consider is is if they're getting word that Debrinket may not want to sign long term. And then in that case, then obviously you have to consider moving uh, an asset because he's obviously you can extend for a year at the qualifying offer. But then if he's not going to sign a long term extension, then, you know, you're going to have to explore moving him. I think, you know, what I had kind of gathered together is that Ottawa doesn't want to move him, not because they don't not because they don't want him want to move him, but they don't want to do anything yet until the new ownership group gets here. Right. So I think that they're, everything's kind of in limbo right now with Ottawa before they kind of make those decisions. Um, and then with Debrinket, I, I found that, I found that weird. Like wh- why did Alex Debrinket have to just suddenly become more physical? Like, well, how does Ottawa want to make them play? I mean, change up the way you're playing. If you don't, if you feel like Debrinket needs to change the way he's playing, become a little bit more physical. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I didn't really, I don't know the context of it, but yeah, I think, I think Alex to you look at his numbers. He, he's obviously producing goals, but he's also producing assists at a, at a career high rate. And we talk so much about how much to benefited from playing with Patrick Kane, like Patrick Kane also benefited significantly from pr- playing with Alex to Like they both, they're better together when they are apart. And I think we're seeing it now that, Kane obviously would like to have a guy like that. And I think that's why also before the the summer happened, when we were kind of going into the exit interviews, Patrick said, you know, if Debrinket's here, it's easy for me to want to stay here too, because I he's like, I have fun playing with him, right? So it, it is also, there's that that fun aspect of of Patrick Kane not having that line mate that he, he used to have uh, a lot of success with uh, when they were in Chicago together. Makes you wonder if Kyle Davidson heard him say that and was like, oh, Alex DeBrinkit would make it more likely you want to stick around, eh? Well, I've got a surprise for you. <laughs> I, I can honestly say that I knew DeBrinkit had kind of adjusted his game a little bit. I didn't think I realized that he was on pace for like 140, 150 hits this season. I don't think anybody would have, you know, gone out on that particular limb and said, oh, yeah, Alex DeBrinkit's going to become a one-man wrecking crew out there on the ice just throwing his body around around like I'm not saying that he's you know able to actually do much damage with these hits but I digress um that, that I mean you me- want him to you want him to <laughs> forecheck hard but you don't want him to throw yeah that's like not what to- 
He back checks yeah, like crazy. That's awesome. I do not want him going into corners and saying, well, I'm going to go try to level that guy. Like, that's not what you want the uh, scoring winger on your team to be doing. Right. I, I, I thought it was interesting, though, that he was willing to adjust his style of play because he said Ottawa does play a more physical style. I think that, you know, bears out. It's true. I, I think it's interesting that he was willing to do that with his game. And I think that it kind of it speaks, obviously, to the character of an Alex Dabrinkit. But it's still it's so ironic to me and so odd that the Blackhawks are going in this direction where they are emphasizing athleticism. They want speed. That's they drafted all of these like fast, super athletic guys. And then they traded Alex Dabrinkit to a team that's going in the polar opposite direction with the way that it's structured. It's just been such a weird road watching Dabrinkit go to Ottawa and kind of change up his game, still scoring, but definitely not playing the same style of hockey. And I think that it's going to be really interesting watching that game tonight. And frankly, th- frankly, boys, kind of open. He throws a little bit of a, you know, a shot at number 88. Maybe we can see some action out there on the ice. What do you think, Pat? Are their odds uh, good for that kind of a reunion happening? Uh, yeah, points bet has that at uh, plus forty four hundred. <laughs> There's zero. Uh, Brink- has Patrick Kane actually had an NHL fight? I'm trying to remember. Nope. Yeah, I didn't no, think so. No, he is. That'd be a great time for number one. Would be tonight. That would be really funny. I think it I should don't happen. know if it would be funny this close to the deadline, James. <laughs> yeah. Okay, his hips already bothering him. What what use is it if he bruises a knuckle, Charlie? Come on, let's have fun here, man. You could win big with NBC Sports Chicago and Coors Light. Just enter the scratch and score sweepstakes for your chance to win two sweet tickets to a hockey game this season and more. Enter at NBCSportsChicago.com slash sweepstakes. All right, here's a question I have for you guys. When do we expect the Hawks to make their first move? Do you do you think most of Kyle Davidson's activity will take place on, on March 3rd? Uh, or do you think there's a chance that a deal could be struck for a Sam Lafferty or somebody else in the next coming week? Yeah, so this is interesting. I feel like there are two holdups. It's for from Chicago's point of view. It's one, what do Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves want to do, right? Like once they get clarity on their situations, then they can maybe start wheeling and dealing on a, on a uh, quicker level. The second is, I feel like teams around the league are waiting for the Jacob Chikrin shoe to drop. And then we're going to see what the market is for the guys like Jake McCabe and Vladislav Gavrikov, right? Though the second tier where if you miss out on that home run, now you're, you're moving to the second level of the equation, right? With Sam Lafferty, uh, I think I saw the reported asking price is a second round pick for, for, uh, for Chicago. I'm not sure. I would be crazy about like, yeah, that's a really good return for Sam Lafferty. But I think Sam Lafferty that where you could maximize his value is by packaging him with a Jake McCabe or someone like that, where you can sweeten the entire package where maybe you're getting a first round pick in return, but you're also getting maybe a higher level prospect. If you kind of juice up the package for a team that is looking to acquire a top four defenseman, but also a bottom six forward who can play top six minutes or middle six minutes if needed. So I think that's where I would explore. So that's why it may maybe tied into the fact that, you know, maybe the Jake McCabe market is being held up right now because of the chicken, which means, you know, maybe they're waiting on Sam Lafferty too, but also if the Blackhawks want to retain salary on players and if hypothetically, if Kane and Taves decide they're going to 
finish the season in Chicago. Well, that means the Blackhawks have three opportunities to retain salaries, right? And you can do Jake McCabe. That means if it's not Kane and Taves, they can do a Max Domi, right? So maybe there's no urgency for the Blackhawks to move Max Domi right now because if Kane and Taves decide to stay or maybe one of the two decide to stay, that, that's an opportunity for the Blackhawks to then retain half of Max Domi's salary. So maybe it's you can sweeten the package a little bit more by doing that. So I think that's what maybe the holdup is right now. Um, and once can I just jump in real quickly, line, we, we're saying we're waiting for Kane and Taves to make their decision. Jonathan Taves cannot be moved at this trade deadline. There's no chance that he is going to be moved at this deadline. We got word today that he has skated a couple times with mm -hmm. Alex Stalock back in Chicago. Um, I don't think there's any guarantee he's going to play Sunday against Toronto back at the United Center. I might not be a guarantee he plays Tuesday. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if, if you're a general manager of another team and he hasn't played in over three weeks and it, you were told it was non-COVID-related illness and we're now, like, a week and a half after the illness was over and we're still, like, in this limbo, I, I mean, I hope Johnny's all right, um, but I, I don't see a market for him. He could want to be moved. He could not want to be moved. He's not going to be moved because there's not going to be a market for him. I was actually going to say the exact same thing, Pat. I was going to say that if Jonathan Taves wants to be moved, I want tickets to the Masters. I think both of those things have about the same odds of happening right now. <laughs> I just there, there's there's no market for number 19. Like, I think that if he was playing the way he was playing before he got uh, he had the illness going on, I think there would have been some sort of a market. It still would have taken a little bit of doing just to make sure that the salary cap money would have worked out and stuff. The, the illness has completely derailed all of that. And I think that uh, number 19, that is just that's a non topic. Honestly, right now, I feel like he's going to end up staying in Chicago. I just don't see a scenario where a team's going to want to pay two and a half million dollars for that level of uncertainty, even if and that's if you can even get a third team into that mix. I just I do not see that happening. I think the. What I kept thinking to myself was I was like, Sam Lafferty would be the first domino to fall, right? I feel like that's a guy that a team might try to jump the market for, give that second round pick, maybe an additional prospect just to get it done. But then Charlie Romeliotis had to go and open his mouth and mention again the idea of packaging him with Jake McCabe. And the Chikrin thing would hold that up, certainly. And I was just like, there's a lot of logic to that. I think that that is something the Blackhawks should definitely consider doing. I think if they're willing to move McCabe, why wouldn't you pair him up like that? I think that the first domino that would fall, it would make a lot of sense if it was Sam Lafferty. I feel like the other deals are going to kind of require a little bit more finesse to get done, and that does include the McCabe deal. I feel like a Lafferty deal would make sense to happen fairly quickly. The other guy I would keep an eye on just as kind of a lower end kind of speculative trade, maybe get like a, you know, mid to late round pick for him. I think Ian Mitchell gets moved at some point really soon. I think that maybe that's not like a big headline making trade, but I feel like it's pretty apparent that he's not going to have a spot on the future Blackhawks. And so I think that a team might come along and say, Hey, we'll give you a lower round pick or something for him. I think that maybe, I think he's, it's, a it's not the sexiest move, but uh, no, no, I think he's a sweetener, right? Because there's no market for, for Mitchell. Um, if, if you're, let's say you were dealing McCabe, like Charlie said, and 
Uh, you threw Mitchell in, you know, it, it, you might get a con- conditional second round or something like that. So mm. it may, it may up the, the ante a little bit, but I'm with you. I, I, I don't think his future's here in Chicago. He could be packaged with somebody, but, you know, he certainly wouldn't draw any uh, large haul if he was sent no, on his no, own. No, no. I just, I just figure it'll be something minor like that. I feel like it's something's got to get the ball rolling with Kyle Davidson in these trades, and it feels like Ian Mitchell might be the kind of player to do that, especially if you're going to hold on to Lafferty and hope to package him up with a Jake McCabe and maybe make that haul a little bit better. The, the one thing yeah, we heard in say. Toronto was that uh, Patrick sa- said that, you know, he had had a conversation with Kyle. And I think Friday prior after the Tarasenko deal, it kind of sounded like he hadn't had that conversation as of yet. Charlie, what like n- let's let's assume that Toronto and the Rangers are are dead, that, that they're that they're off the table what teams might be on his list? I mean, it's again, it's a short list. I I don't think he's opened it up to everybody, but do you think like, do you think Carolina, do you think Dallas and do you think Vegas could be three teams on that list? Yeah, I, Pat, I agree with what you've been saying. You've been consistent in saying, I think Kane belongs in a big market. Like I, I, I totally agree that he likes the big stage. He wants to be in a market that, People care about hockey, but also they have a really good hockey team um, and and couldn't win a Stanley Cup. So I think that's why New York and Toronto are definitely two teams. I could see how they could have been high on his list. But if they get if option A and option B are on the table, does Patrick Kane feel like option C, D, E, are those appealing to him? You know, so I think that's where the question is like, yeah, I think if you look at Dallas, I think that's a really good fit for, for Patrick. He could play with Tyler Sagan on that second line. They have a re- they have really well structured team, great goaltending, um, well coached. You look at Vegas, they could definitely use him. You look at Carolina, they can use him. I just don't know if he's crazy, crazy about any of those markets more than he was with New York and Toronto. The one team that I I really didn't think would be a possibility, but it sounds like it it is potentially on the table is Edmonton. Uh, like Edmonton apparently is showing interest in Patrick Kane and, um. I think Frank Saravalli mentioned on his podcast uh, the other day how uh, like Dun- the, there's a relationship obviously with Duncan Keith and like Kane could pick Duncan's brain. And if he gets traded there, Duncan could open up his house for him, you know, like whatever, like kind of making these scenarios work. But apparently there's there's interest from Edmonton's side. Now, whether there's interest from Patrick's side, that remains to be seen. But um, I'm not sure if they really are a feasible candidate on there. And maybe, it, maybe it's an intriguing team, but I just don't know if he would want to go to a team that, they have all these superstar players. I mean, I, he would kind of just, I don't want to say be put on the back burner, but I, I don't really know. It's not really a team like Dallas or Vegas where he would go in and be the guy and he would kind of, you know, be be asked to, to shoulder some of the offensive load. Yeah, I, I Edmonton's an interesting team. Like, I think that it would be a, it would be real fascinating to see how they would make all of the salary work just because as you mentioned Charlie they do have so many kind of big names on the books you got your Zach Hyman's your Nugent Hopkins's your Evander Kane's like those guys are all making north of five million dollars I think that that complicates things probably I just I look at the situation in Vegas and the path forward that they would have in the postseason and I look at their roster and I just think to myself why wouldn't Patrick Kane want an opportunity to play 
with a guy like Jack Eichel or William Carlson as his center, that would be an incredible line combination. And I just, I look at that and I'm like, I know he has, it wouldn't be a long-term thing in Las Vegas. I know that Kane wants kind of some idea of where his future and his career is going to be in terms of rental destinations though. I feel like a place like Vegas with that opportunity with those players, that's really hard to pass up on, man. And I think that, adding a guy like Kane would take the golden Knights from a team who they've got a decent path to the Western conference final. I think that really solidifies it. If they go get a guy like Kane and I think they could really sell him on that idea. And I just think that playing with Eichel or Carlson, man, that is a huge, huge sweetener to the deal. If I'm Kane and I'm looking at my options, I think that would be a really solid fit for him with either one of those guys. Interesting, Charlie, that they play Dallas next week. You'll be on that road trip on Wednesday. It's the back end of back-to-backs. I think they play, what, Nashville Tuesday at the United Center? Well, they also play, they also host Dallas on March 2nd, which is the day before the trade deadline. So could you imagine if Kane gets traded and his first game back is in Chicago? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if Blackhawks fans will be ready for that seeing Kane so quickly in a different uniform. We talk about his options. So let, let's say it's, it's, it's C, D, and E, those three teams, whatever ones they are, not named New York Rangers, not named Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, the other thing it, to find out or, or to a uh, decision he has to make is, you know, everybody's making a big deal about this injury. Would he rather go to Dallas for a couple of months and, and make a run at a cup or would he be more intrigued to stay in Chicago? The trade deadline passes. He shuts it down and he gets he begins the process of of getting that taken care of. If he decides to go to another team, I think it tells you that people are making too much about this injury and that he doesn't think it is the thing that's holding back his production. Right. I agree. And I think, I think too, let's just say he, he's ready to move on from Chicago, whether it's now or over the summer, maybe he wants to show teams that this is not going to be an issue for me. So if he has a big playoff, you know, then it's, then he basically just proved to everyone that, you know, it's really not bothering him as much as people thought. I will say this too. Like I've, I've heard that if Kane does get a procedure, the the procedure could make it marginally better. Like, I, I don't think it's very, white and black uh, as opposed to like you look at Brad Marchand he obviously had hip surgery over the offseason he was out for four months and he's back and he doesn't look like he skipped a beat I don't think it I think all these injuries are very different they're not all in the same bubble so I think that's also why maybe there's been a hesitancy in Kane wanting to get a procedure done and and shutting it down because there isn't a slam dunk that it's going to be significantly better on the other end of it the one question I, I do have as well if if Patrick Kane says, hey, I want to go to Toronto and the Rangers, those are the only two teams on my list. Let's just say the Rangers are out. If you're Toronto and you weren't really, you didn't really have, you're like, okay, like, I don't know if we need Patrick Kane. Like, may, like do you have to consider it? Or are, are, are you just, you know, like if, if Patrick Kane says, I want to come to your team, but you're, you, don't, you don't really have interest or you didn't have interest originally, do you now have to consider it? Because I don't think any of us figured Toronto would be a place that, or Toronto would be very interested in Kane because it's not really a need. And, but also finances, it would be a kind of a headache to make it work. But if he says, I want to go to Toronto and they're on my list, what do you do if you're the Maple Leafs? 
<laughs> well, see, here's something I had always considered with Toronto, too. We were talking about the slumping of shoulders and just the irritation with situation. Imagine if, you know, kind of all the rumors swirling around him, he goes to Toronto and goes pointless for four or five games. How's that going to play in the uh, the old mental game there for Patrick Kane? I feel like that would be you know, pretty hard to deal with if it were him. And I think that it was either Elliot Friedman or Nick Kiprios mentioned kind of a similar thought to this, Charlie, where they were talking about how Patrick Kane, if he wants to come to your team, even if you think like, oh, the hip might be an issue, the money might be a challenge, whatever. He says that all of those teams would still have to consider it based on what Kane has done in the past, shown himself capable of doing and stepping his game up that year. I absolutely think a team like Toronto has to give it some thought if they're really serious because they have to be tired of going out of the playoffs in the first round each of the last, what, six seasons in a row. Like you want to talk about a team that's on the hot seat right now just as a whole. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs like they have to do something this year. You feel it like the fans are impatient. Ownership's going to get impatient. Guy like Patrick Kane wants to come to your team. I think you have to, you know look at every single option to make that team better. But the first thing, and, and, and again, I agree with you guys, but you got to look at where he's going to play. He's going to play right wing, right? He's not going to take Mitch Marner's spot with Tavares and uh, Kerfoot on the left side. Then yeah. you look at the top line. He's, he's going he's to want to play with Austin Matthews. So that means Willie Nylander is going to get bumped from the top line, and Willie Nylander has been fantastic. Um, so, like, and that goes back to the if he doesn't, you know, in Toronto, let's just say Patrick goes there and Nylander's bumped to the third line because you're not putting Patrick Kane on a third line. I, I would move Nylander to the left. I would just have Nylander, Matthews, Kane, and have. I know it's it's out of position for Nylander, but yeah, he's, you know, you you could get used to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you make it seem so easy, Charlie. Yeah. So I well, mean, well, I mean, Alex Debrinkit. I mean, he he was a right or like he kind of played more right wing growing up, and then he moved to the left side when he started playing with Kane. And he look at he scored forty one goals. Just pair Kane up with David Camp; it'll clearly work out really well. But I will. But Pat, you bring up a good point because it. it how does that affect the room? Because Toronto is really clicking up front. Like if now right. you're moving Nylander to a different spot, and like now you're you're messing with some chemistry that. Toronto really has and maybe maybe that's going to pay dividends in the playoffs but you're also you gotta you gotta see like how is this going to mess with the the guys that we currently have hmm I never I never thought of Patrick Kane being a disruptor that's kind of an interesting take well it's just on a juggernaut of an offensive team it's like it's interesting of where where you would put him you're right you'd have to move Nylander would have to agree to go to the left side because Patrick's not going to play on the left side Right. Now, uh, the the bigger question is, what do you do on the power play? Uh, who are you taking off? You're basically just running five forwards on the power play, and like, right? And, and like Mitch you Martin said, run if you point. go any amount of time, two, three games, four games with with uh, lackluster production in, in that pressure cooker known as Toronto, uh, th- that that is they're going to turn up the heat, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick's going to be on the back page of the, and, and there's going to be, uh, yeah. The disruptor, something like bumping, it, it bumping does Doug pose Ford. Some interesting. <laughs> yeah, big news. NBC Chicago has local news streaming around the clock, literally twenty four seven. That means you can watch or listen to Chicago news on your schedule. The channel's called NBC Chicago News. You can find it on Peacock, Samsung, 
Roku and help help me out. Is it Exumo? Do you know that, James? Well, I, no I believe it's Zumo. X-U-M-O. I think it's Zumo. I think it's Zumo. It, you can find it okay. literally anywhere, man. It's Zumo. That's... <laughs> and now you can get it in one click on NBC Chicago's website and app. Just click on 24-7 streaming news at the top of the NBCChicago.com or the NBC Chicago app. Think of it as your chance to catch up with Chicago's best local news during whatever time of the day works best for you. Brandon Hagel spoke to the athletic. Uh, let's see. I was just checking in here on some of the things that you guys are saying. James um, is being, James's internet is being wonky. I don't know. I thought it was just mine. I thought, it's yeah, somebody's. I thought, Sorry about that. It was, I think it was, I think it was Charlie's, but I, I think it corrected oh, itself. Throw me under the bus. I thought no, it was I just, uh, sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, guys. I thought, the disruptor. I thought it was my apparently it's all of us it's all of our internets being wonky in different ways it's tired of hearing about patrick kane and and trade deadline <laughs> talk, discussion talk about something else <laughs> uh, let's talk about brandon hagel he spoke to the athletic about his trade from the blackhawks to tampa did you hear what his dad had to say Dwayne hagel he said quote to be honest chicago is a dumpster fire I don't think you could script it this good. One year later, he couldn't even imagine this was possible. Look, I I don't fault Team Hagel for having, you know, some some gripes with, you know, how things happen, the business side of the NHL. What I took away from that article in The Athletic and and actually uh, the piece that has been done on Alex Dabrinkit and and I think – you know, we talk about trades and rebuilding and pieces moving, and and we remove a lot of the emotion from it. Uh, we we only have the emotion of watching Patrick for 16 years and all the joy that he's brought to this town and the championships, but we don't think about the living arrangements and leaving. And we mention it, but I don't think we are. We're clearly we're not immersed in it. And and it was interesting that to bring it. Even in a summer where, you know, Charlie and James, we had heard weeks leading up to that draft that, you know, he was on the block, that they wanted to restart this this rebuild. And, you know, they had no first round picks and and, uh, you know, he's going to need to be paid and, and how his timeline was going to fit when this team was going to be good again and all those things. And that, you know, he's going to be on the move. And you read his art, the article and he's like, he didn't have any thoughts of being moved. Like, like he was in denial, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think like when you hear Brandon Hagel talk about getting the tap on the shoulder when they're leaving for a road trip and, you know, going to speak to Kyle and the, you know, the, the loneliness you feel of the team leaves to go to the airport on a trip that you thought you were going on. And all of a sudden you don't even know the team yet. They told you you're going to be moved, but, the deal hadn't been finalized with Tampa, so you di- you're calling your dad and you're calling your girlfriend, and you you really don't even know your destination as of yet. Um, I, I I do think there's it's a difficult process for players to come to terms with being dealt, whether that's on the trade dead tra- uh, on the trading block, or even like what Patrick and, and Jonathan we're going through as far as trying to make a decision of whether or not they want to leave. Um, so I, I think 
my takeaway from the Hagel piece and the Debrinket piece is, you know, remember the, the emotional part of this too. Um, we try to keep it kind of hockey related and what line is he going to fit on and how's it going to fit with the cap and so on and so forth. But um, it's a reminder that these guys, um, while they are have to w- worry about that down the road, initially they have to worry about the human part of this equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for for Hagel and and Debrinket specifically, they they had never been traded in their lives, right? Because in junior and everything, you're basically you're picking your team. You're not really getting moved around. So I think the initial shock when you're traded is that oh, the Blackhawks don't want me anymore. And that can maybe sting a little bit, but then you kind of have to shift your mindset and think about it from a business point of view. Or in Brandon Hagel's case, he went from one of the worst teams in the standings to a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion and then made a Stanley Cup run and obviously just fell short against Colorado. And as far as like the comments for, from his dad, I, I think it, one, it's, it's, your parents are always going to be the ones that take it harder, right? Because they're the ones that see that your your kids go through some of the some difficult times. But I thought Brandon was actually a professional in in his piece, just saying like I wanted to be in Chicago long term. I loved it in Chicago. Like didn't even slander them one bit. Um, I think seeing what the other side is like once you get traded, w- once you kind of rip that bandaid off and the seal is broken of what you see, what life is like outside of the only team you know, then it kind of opens your eyes as to, man, maybe the situation I was in wasn't actually that great, right? But I don't think it was like calling the Blackhawks a dumpster fire. Uh, like, let's be honest. I think it was prior to Kyle Davidson really taking over and kind of giving a sense of direction. But I think it was also a reminder that remember when the Blackhawks were Tampa and and like people were getting players were getting traded to Chicago and feeling like, wow, this is a first class organization. I can't believe the situation I just came from. Right. right. So it's just kind of the cycle of the NHL life. Like, yeah, the Blackhawks are in a rebuild right now. It's dark times right now in Chicago. But when the Blackhawks are good again, Tampa's going to be bad at some point again. Right. And then Tampa is going to be a team that's that not a lot of team or players are going to want to go to. Right. So it's just all that cycle. It's It's a cycle of the NHL life. Yeah, that's the first thing that as soon as I heard that he called Chicago a dumpster fire, he was like, yeah, Chicago's a dumpster fire compared to the way Tampa has been operating for the last like decade or so. Of course, if you're going to judge any team based on what Tampa is doing, you're to think, man, those dudes just do not know what they're doing. I-, I think that your point about Brandon Hagel being like very pragmatic and uh, to borrow a hackneyed term at this point, classy about all of this, I think, is well taken. He absolutely has been. I think that, you know, we do sometimes lose sight of just how jarring that is getting traded from a team, whether it's just the the logistics of getting to your new team, not really being familiar with anything in the city or with the team that you're joining. I think that those things are all really important to keep in mind. But yeah, that was the first reaction I had when Brandon Hagel's dad called the Blackhawks a dumpster fire was A, directionless. I'm not going to sit here and say that everything has been peaches and cream with the Blackhawks lately. I think that accusing them of lacking a direction or something to that effect, very valid criticism. But I also think that doing so, comparing them to the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah, of course the Lightning are going to look awesome. Look at the success that they've had recently. So I know it, it obviously played really well in the blogosphere like dumpster fire is a great headline to write for a story i kind of wish i had written that one for nbc sports chicago but yeah that was the first reaction i had was yeah duh it's tampa they're awesome like that nothing surprised me about that statement whatsoever 
All right. I think it's uh, time to conclude this uh, podcast. Uh, Any parting shots from either one of you? I can't wait to do it again on Monday, boys. (laughs) I do have a feeling we're going to talk about Patrick Jane some more. (laughs) I do think we're going to have an emergency (laughs) podcast next week. I do think we will. I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in that area. I mean, we're going to have normal podcast dropping like we always do, but I I think there's going to be one night that we are asking James what his work situation is and can he drop something at 11:45 p.m. and can he join us uh, on an emergency podcast honestly when pat and charlie put up the hawk talk signal i'm in anytime <laughs> we'll put up the bat signal does it ever get crossed up with the cubs signal that goes up because now you're two timing i was going to say now now i'm uh, cheating on you guys with another podcast but uh no but it's not come up yet, thankfully. All right. That's going to do it for the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. For Charlie, for James, I'm Pat. For Tony and Claire behind the scenes, thank you for listening and watching, and we'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks Talk Podcast.